0: the power of their data wasabi, another Boston based championship team. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's the Bomber Brothers Podcast with Ryan and Sean Chichester. Swung on and driven a deep left. For the live gs Aaron Judge, line one right down the line. Swung on and line to right center field. It is a hit, grounding third, scoring kind of Leppa, And the Yankees win the ball game with two in the bottom of the ninth. Hit in the air to left center, it is high. It is far, it is gone. It's a grand slam. Oh, a Stantonian home run. Talking all things Yankees baseball.
1: Hello, everybody. At long last, we are back. The Bomber brothers have returned and just in time for the playoffs. Sean and Ryan with you. Sean back from his stint on the COVID IL it was uh, not the easiest bout with COVID. So we've been we've been out a bit. But, Sean, glad you're uh, glad you're feeling better. And now we can start looking ahead to some Yankees playoffs.
2: Yeah, man. Thanks. I understand why Anthony Rizzo came back in 2021 and did not hit a lot of homers after dealing with COVID. It freaking sucks. But uh, we went out with a bang trying to catch Aaron Judge hit 61. Um, And uh, yeah, now we're here and he's the American League and the Yankee single season home run record holder, which is pretty incredible. And uh, it was really, really fun season to watch Judge and Uh, An up-and-down season for the Yankees at times, but in the end, division champs,
1: and I'm really excited to see what happens in the postseason. Yeah, division champs and one of the top two division champs in a season where you absolutely have to have that with the first year of the Wild Card Series implemented. Now the Yankees can set their rotation, get some much-needed extra rest for some of their guys like Clay Holmes, now it's looking like Matt Carpenter is going to be an option in the ALDS. Probably wouldn't have been the case if the Yankees didn't get a bye. So uh all very valuable stuff. The Yankees really needed it. And and for Judge specifically, I mean, we were we were on this pod whenever one of the last times we talked was, and we we're talking about how the Yankees seemingly imminent collapse was kind of souring Judge's home run chase. And fortunately, they were able to turn things around and the focus was just on judge and we were able to enjoy it and it became a little bit of a chore during those homestands when we were trying to go every night and see it happen. And it sucks. It didn't happen in New York, but it was still just as awesome to see it happen on TV in Texas and, and know that he, uh, he stands alone now in Yankees and American league history in the, in the home run ranks. It's, it's pretty insane. It's certainly something, I never thought I'd see in my lifetime. I mean, we were born decades after Maris hit sixty-one, but even us, just hearing the number sixty-one, there's such a mythology to it almost that it just seemed like this, this untouchable, this untouchable record. And then, of course, it was shattered during the steroid era, and then you, you know, it steroid era has a light cast on it, and then you think it's back to being unbreakable, but. Here comes Aaron Judge, of all people, the homegrown superstar, the face of the Baby Bombers era, one of the only true success stories of the Baby Bombers era. And and it was it was just awesome to see. And um, I'm glad we were able to enjoy it. Yeah, it, it was awesome. Um, you know, the the week
2: where he goes, you know, hits 58 and 59 in Milwaukee and then. Um, you know we took a little bit of break from the podcast because we started chasing him around but the yankees won nine out of ten During that stretch where he goes from 58 to 61, even though it takes him quite a few games to get to 61, the team started playing good ball again and you were able to really enjoy it. Like, even though we were going to all these games and not, not seeing number 61, Yankees were winning and it made it fun because you, you, you saw them putting the division away and you're able to kind of focus on what was really special. And, you know, that's something that regardless of how you feel about bonds and McGuire and Sosa, If you're a Yankee fan, like even if you're doing a math problem and the number 61 comes up, your mind just has like a tick. It's just, you know, you fastball hit deep to right. This could be it. You just, you think about it in your head. And it's such a special number. It's hard to describe to someone who's not a Yankee fan and didn't grow up a Yankee fan. But for us to be able to see that, whether it was in person or on TV, just to follow it the entire season, it was really special. And, um, you know, there's obviously it's it's a complicated conversation for what it means broadly to major league baseball. But if you focus on just as a Yankee and the Yankees are the most storied franchise in the history of sports. So to set a single season record for them is pretty incredible. And it's, it it was just absolutely mind boggling. And to do it in a year where like he's 20 home runs ahead of this, you know, the second place home run guy, pretty much. And it, it's just absolutely insane he had I think he think he finished with a 210 to 11 OPS plus so he's a 110 percent better than your average player He's worth two players more than two players just absolutely incredible season to watch and um you know really really fortunate we got to to witness this because you know took 61 years for for Yankee to hit 60 homers again and and that that's pretty pretty freaking incredible.
1: Yeah, when you look at the players who have led the league in OPS plus and total bases since World War II, the only player to have a better season than Judge was Ted Williams in 1946, which is when I believe is when he finished with that 4.06 batting average. So, that'll uh that speaks to just how insane his season was. It was more valuable in those aspects than Mickey Mantle's triple crown season in 1956. Pretty ridiculous stuff. It's just absolutely unreal. He finishes 18 home runs ahead of the next leading home run hitter with Kyle and Kyle Schwarber, who finished with 40 uh I'm sorry, maybe it was 16, because I think Schwarber finished with 46. But still, still an unreal gap between him and second place and just shows you how far, far ahead of the league he was. He uh is undoubtedly the MVP in my mind. We'll see what happens, but I think it should be Judge. I mean, if you want to talk about value, look at the Yankees' collective OPS in the second half of the season outside of Judge, while Judge was pretty much carrying the team and trying to avoid this monumental collapse. The the Yankees as a whole had an OPS of, I think it was 537 in the second half of the season, and Judge was still over 1,000, so almost double. I mean, how, how much more valuable can you get? Yeah,
2: it was incredible season. And um, if anything, it was just confirmation that I don't care. I want them to pay him and he better be a Yankee next year. That's that's it. I'm not I don't think it's worth debating anything else. It's just they have to get it done, whatever it takes.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, the Yankees, the Yankees mindset right now basically just has to be we probably cost ourselves almost 100 million dollars before the season by not get making a more aggressive offer to keep judge and avoid free agency and now that he had this historic season and is now going to you know go down regardless as one of the most revered remembered Yankees ever and holding the most coveted Yankee record ever and proving his value that he can be a legit everyday center fielder if they ask that of him I mean he's putting these health questions to bed he started what was it 56 he played in 57 straight games by the time he hit 62. So, I mean, all that said, now, now you just have to break the bank for him. Of course, the Yankees are the team most capable of doing that to the point where it won't won't affect them too much, regardless of what they say. But they, yeah, they they have to now. the The outcry they would they would see the, in my opinion, the season ticket losses they might. Endure if Judge doesn't come back, forget uh, season
2: ticket losses. Just losses, period. Oh well, yeah, that
1: too. Because uh, sub five hundred team. Yeah, so. exact. Oh man, I, I can't remember who said it. It was a verified Twitter account, and now I can't remember who said it. But somebody said, when debating the MVP, that if you took Judge off the team, the Yankees would still win the American League East. They I might that, win the American League Central. Yeah, that. It, who in what world? There's no way the Yankees would win the division if judge wasn't on this team. He was their entire offense for like a month straight while the rest of the team was just completely free falling there was there's absolutely no way that's a an absurd statement. There's no way the Yankees win the division without judge. Thankfully, they have judge and hopefully they keep him for a long time, pay that man, lock him up long term and yeah read, it was a. And and I'm just, and I'm also just glad that during that whole process, that wasn't in the back of my mind. Like when we're Mm -hmm. going to all these games and watching judge and the crazy anticipation of every at bat and, you know, celebrating his home runs, like, I'm just glad that I wasn't. Cause I've said that before on this podcast that like earlier in the season when he was on this pace, I was kind of like, man, like he's going to do this and this could be the last time or he's going to do this. And then, the Yankees are going to step on their own feet in negotiations and like come out looking like complete assholes and um i'm just i'm just glad none of that was on my mind and it was just about enjoying enjoying history
2: yeah it was um it was very enjoyable and um i just i it's something that's hard to put into words like the the reverence you have for the record and And just the joy you get from watching a guy go out and dominate. And I mean, you know, let's be frank. He's a guy that is a homegrown Yankee who's who's more or less done everything right. You're 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 pulling for him and you want him to get paid because that's you know, that's part of the game. And and he has the best contract year of all time and almost wins the triple crown and sets the American League home run record in the same year. That's incredible. Um, But Yeah, overall, it was an awesome year uh, for him and was a really good year for the team, too. I know the second half was frustrating, but in September down the stretch, when you started getting some guys back, you saw things starting to fall into place. Hopefully they continue to fall into place as we as we get towards October here. Um, But, you know, it was pretty incredible. Lots of great moments, even even when we went to the games and they they. You know they he didn't get it done there like he still hit the ball to the warning track that would have been a walk off home run like we were going nuts and you know it was the 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 vibes at the stadium were really good that week against the pirates and the red sox it was it was a ton of fun and you know it's why you follow baseball is for feelings like that and the the ones we have were pretty special so we'll see hopefully he's doing it again next year as a yankee and they reduce the ball so he gets seventy five. Oh i don't know i God. saw i saw an analysis like depending on like the variation of the baseballs he could have been like there was one if he used the 2019 ball he would have hit 75 home runs as the average expectation so that
1: was that was pretty crazy but, that's not uh, shocking to me because it's well Brett Gardner hit 20 home runs that year so yeah, torres at 38 <laughs> that's insane um but what was i gonna say yes uh that's not a crazy number because you think about judge this year and I think it was, I think James Smythe of the S network did a really great breakdown of his whole season and how many no doubters he hit. And I, I don't, I think after looking at all of them, he said that none of them were like Yankee stadium porch jobs or, or wall scrapers, like almost almost every home run he hit would have been a home run in at least what was it I, I can't remember how many ballparks but none of yeah. like none of of the 62 none of them were you know quote-unquote cheap shots or porch jobs like they they all were legit home runs he so i well i think it was 20
2: was it 2019 when he was going oppo almost exclusively um, yeah but then he heard his oblique and this year it was very different. I don't remember him hitting to the opposite field as much. I think 354 was his shortest home run. I was, I was looking at that Smythe thread of like all the yeah. relatives.
0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, um,
1: yeah. And his spray know. chart this year, his home run spray chart, it's just, you're talking about was going oppo exclusively. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a thing of beauty this year. I mean, it was just like completely balanced. I, yeah. And, you know,
2: that was the one thing that I started to get nervous about, um, last week was that he and i o'neill mentioned this too he definitely came out of his swing a little bit i thought his patience was still there for the most part in texas you saw him really start to press chasing first pitches but you could see he was working under the ball a little bit fouling a lot of meatballs straight back he wasn't getting pitched to but when he was getting those strikes he was fouling them back because he was like under the ball so i was i was starting to get worried about is he just trying to get this done and messing up his swing but i also think at the same time having these days off now, getting back in the cage, just getting back to hitting the ball hard gives him time to reset. I think that I think that's huge. So um, you know, he can get back to that more natural um swing because he didn't really hit anything oppo with authority ever after he got to 59. Like everything was to to left field. So um happy to see him hopefully get back as we get into October and he's always put up in the playoffs, you know. He had the good wild card game. And then once they got to game three of the championship series in 2017, and from then on, he's been money in the postseason. And uh, really excited to see see hopefully him come back a little bit more relaxed in October, if you could think about that. There's going to be less pressure on him because now he's – you know, now he's just the the big cog in the lineup, but it's not like, oh, I have to hit a home run to get the pressure off the rest of the team. Because, you know, it becomes a circus and hopefully things go back to normal
1: for him and the team kind of relaxes and goes on a nice run here. Yeah. And now can focus on what judges wanted to focus on all along, which is the playoffs and winning a World Series. And you're right. I mean, he definitely was starting to press a little with his swings and, and just missing, failing a bunch of you know, some, some of them. He did get some nice meatballs right down the middle that he just fouled back, even though, you know, and then you wonder how much of that is just, I don't know, do you almost get like lulled to sleep a little bit at the plate when you're getting walked so much? And I mean, in that Orioles series, there were, there were so many instances where he just got absolutely nothing to hit, and then when he finally did, he would just miss it. Is that just kind of like you're just so used to watching pitches low and away? But then that Texas series, you really – you really saw him starting to press and slam the helmet a little bit. You can tell he was getting pissed off. And luckily, his very first at bat the next game he goes deep, and we don't have to worry about the talk of like, oh, he you know choked choked a chance to set the new record or whatever. And uh now we can focus on on the playoffs because that's that's what Judge wants. He definitely didn't want this to become a massive spectacle that was unavoidable but now it's over and we can get focused on uh on winning winning a world series yep and we don't even know what the path to
2: that looks like yet but we're going to find out starting today with the wild card round um still not a fan of that but that's yeah. you know i guess we could talk about that another day what uh what are what what are you looking at in terms of the Yankees' best path here? They're either going to face the the Cleveland Guardians or the Tampa Bay Rays. Both teams were, you know, familiar with from from postseason experience recently. Obviously, their teams look a lot different now. Um, I'll I'll tell you what before you tell me that I am happier that we are in the two seed than the one seed. Uh, obviously, if the Astros and the Yankees both advance to ALCS, I'll feel different because I'd rather have home field. But um, the Mariners. And the Blue Jays scare me a lot more than the Rays or the Guardians. The Mariners are a completely different beast when they have Julio in the lineup. And the Blue Jays can get hot at any time with that with that lineup. So, um, you know, I, I think the Yankees have the softer draw. Obviously, either team could beat them. I wouldn't be surprised. But, I mean, I, I think the way this this system works, it actually kind of favors the two seed, at least for the division series.
1: A 100% agree. Um... Also would not be surprised if the Yankees lose to either Cleveland or Tampa. Again, it's a short five-game series, and both of those teams are, are good teams, not great teams, but I don't think the Yankees are overly great either. Maybe at full strength, but they're very banged up right now, and the bullpen's a huge question mark, so it's uh, it can go either way. We'll see what happens, but 100% agree that I would much rather be picking between those two teams than Seattle or Tampa because... Seattle is looking like a force right now. they would be very tough to face. I, I'm big, I'm guessing that that home atmosphere in, in Seattle is going to be absolutely raucous for the playoffs and you have to face Luis Castillo who is just a nightmare. and then when you and then when it comes to Toronto facing Manoa and Gosman in a short series is is scary, especially with the firepower that the Toronto offense has. So I am, you know, it it sucks sacrificing home field in the ALCS if you do face Houston, but in terms of actually getting to the ALCS, I I think this is the, this is the more favorable path.
2: And who would you rather be standing in that, in the way in that path? Um, Tampa or the Guardians?
1: So so my initial response is that I don't even care because I think both of them pose their challenges. I don't think neither offense is particularly scary, but they each have hitters that could that could do damage. Obviously, Cleveland has, well, you know, earlier in the season, MVP candidate and Jose Ramirez, who still wound up having a, a fantastic year. Andres Jimenez is another really powerful bat. And then the Rays are getting Wander Franco back. So. They both have their their scary spots in the order. I actually think, though, I would pick Tampa because you are only going to get McClanahan once in this series because they have to throw him in the wild card round, so he's scary as hell, but you're only going to face him once. Their bullpen is not what it used to be. This is not the bullpen of 2020 with their stable of guys that Kevin Cash so famously address them as they still have some very good arms in that bullpen, but they do not strike out hitters the way they used to. So that that bodes well for the Yankees because you if the Yank if um if you're facing a bullpen that's trotting out a bunch of high strikeout guys, that definitely scares me for the Yankee lineup. And putting putting some rallies together or running into a, a timely home run, which the Yankees are certainly going to need. And I think they have a better chance of doing that against the Tampa bullpen than Cleveland's because Cleveland has one of the best one, two, three bullpen arms in all of baseball. I and mean, class A is a dominant closer. One of his only blown saves of the season actually came against the Yankees, but that was way earlier in the season. Uh, Karen check. I know a lot of Yankee fans remember him as the guy who served up the grand slam to Urshela in the 2020 wildcard round, but He's still, history. Yeah, he's still a formidable foe, and and Cleveland has a pretty pretty damn good top of the rotation as well. I mean, we've seen the Yankees absolutely demolish Bieber before, but that was one of his first postseason tastes, and there's plenty of reason to think he'll come back stronger. Cal Quantrill, still a very strong starter. Uh, Tristan McKenzie, another strong starter, so I think I'm going with Tampa. What about you? um it's tough cleveland
2: yeah they're they're scary but they also got to feast on the worst division in the american league yeah where you know the the second best team was a 500 team the worst team in the american league east was three games below you know the red sox can't do anything right they couldn't even finish at 500 so we could say every team was 500 or better (laughs) whatever um Tampa's scuffling right now you know i also think one of the things um One of the things to me that is important is that the Yankees played Tampa tough this year. And I don't really believe that regular season translates to postseason very often. But the Yankees have had trouble with Tampa and they had some big wins against the Rays. Think about the last game they played at the Trop, um, where they had that great escape that kind of started to turn things in the right direction. And then you had the series, you know, Derek Jeter Hall of Fame night. They lose on Friday. Aaron Hicks drops the ball. Everything looks like it's going to hell and then they win the next two games and that kind of puts them on the right path again. Um I believe they won the next two of that series, right? That's Yeah, and they scored someday. like they scored yep. 10 runs in each game. So, I think the Yankees have some good feelings against uh Tampa right now that you know shouldn't be discounted because the Rays, you know, they finished 2 and 8. They only won 86 games, granted it isn't the best division, but I think they have enough holes that the Yankees can exploit some of those. The Yankees obviously have their own holes. I feel weird picking Tampa because they usually scare me, but um I think the Guardians are sneaky good. I also think the Guardians are going to be fired up if they play the Yankees. You remember what happened at Yankee Stadium the last time the Guardians were there with throwing the crap on the field from the fans. Sometimes in baseball things like that have a weird way of working out. Can't you just picture the Guardians just celebrating their their rear ends off if they win in like game 5 or something at the stadium? They'd be so stoked.
1: You mean like how we could imagine Michael Brasso hitting a home run yep. off a to yep.
2: Chapman? It's weird. Like there's no data, but you you feel that it's like the vibes. So, um, I I I think Tampa will win their division series again, or their wild card series against uh, the Guardians, and uh, I think that they'll uh, they'll they'll face the Yankees in the in the division series. So I, it's what I think will happen, and what I think is probably best for the Yanks.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just pumped. I'm pumped to watch some baseball all day today and have it on the TV starting at noon. Got games every two hours from noon to like eight o'clock tonight. So I'm pumped up uh, and the Yankees can can sit and watch and get healthy, get rested. And, you know, I guess the last thing we should address here is how, how do you see the Yankees shaking out this ALDS roster? There's a lot of question marks. We've got you know, is Carpenter going to be ready in 100%? Is LeMay, how does Lemayhew's toe feel? He really wasn't much there to make you think that he can be an impact player, but is his defensive versatility going to be enough to help him make the roster? Is Oswaldo Cabrera your starting left fielder? I think he absolutely should be. Is, um, you know, what is your, what does your bullpen look like? Is Clay Holmes ready? Wandy Peralta? Uh, there's just a ton of things that the Yankees need to sort out between now and Tuesday. And so, you know, how do you see some of these things shaking out? What do you see the Yankees doing around, around the margins and then filling out this roster? Well, I think, I think two things. I think one, the Yankees have
2: the most potential to go on a run here of any team, because if they have everything break, right. In terms of health and guys coming back to form, they're, they're, back to the team they were in the first half they also have a potential to crash and burn in like four games in the division series as well maybe even three depending on uh you know depending on who's hitting and who's not the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle what i think the yankees should do is probably going to be what they don't do because it's going to take some guts I think you have to absolutely go Cortez Severino and Cole. They'll never do that. I know they won't do that, but I'm just going to say it. I think that's what they should do if they had any, if, if they had some guts. I also think, listen, you have Stanton and Carpenter coming off of lower body injuries, but also capable and, and have a history this season of playing in right field. There's a ton of off days in the postseason. Why not just one game for? Carpenter one game for Stanton and rotate them on and off. At most, you're going to be playing once every three days out there. I don't know. Do you, you think you think they can handle it? And that that allows you to to DH the other one. So every day it's like a half day off for for one of them. And those are two. Like if Carpenter is back to being Carpenter, you need that bat in the lineup. I mean, I look. This is what I would do: Bader and left, Judge and center, and then a rotation in right field. Once you get to the seventh inning you bump everybody over you bump out the right fielder and you put Hicks out and left for defense i mean that's that's what i would do and i would play peraza at short uh, i'm sorry uh yeah i would i would play uh, peraza at short i think he's been better than ikf yeah, so no that... no cabrera in the starting lineup no cabrera's at third base oh, okay I like how do you like that oh i like all right <laughs> and and glaver's at second and rizzo's at first I, I, that that's if you want to put the best Team on the field, I think that's the best team. Honestly, I think Donaldson is way too streaky. I could see him having a huge moment in the postseason. I wouldn't be surprised. He's got he's got the irrational confidence to do it. But LeMayhu doesn't look like LeMayhu anymore. Uh, I don't think you can put him in the starting lineup with how he's looked. I, I put him in on defense one, you know, that that's fine. Um, but I, I mean, I think if you want to give yourself the best chance to win, the most diversity in the lineup, I think that's the way to go. Honestly, I know they won't do it. I you know we know what the lineup's going to look like, but
1: yeah, so there there are definitely some. I love the idea, there are definitely some holes to it. For one, do I think Stanton or Carpenter are capable of playing right field once a, you know, once every three days? Absolutely. Do I think the Yankees are willing to risk putting them out there? Absolutely not. I don't think there's any chance that either of them see the field in the postseason. Stanton's bat is just too valuable and too needed in the lineup, and they're not going to risk him coming down with some kind of you know nagging quad injury that keeps him out of game or something. I mean, he's it finally looks like he's getting right at the plate again at the end of the season. So uh, me, I just don't see it.
2: Let me challenge you on that. If you don't do it, you can only play one at a time. So you're losing one anyway. I mean, I understand you're gonna pinch hit one, but. I mean, dude, Carpenter was one of the best hitters on the team when he was here, when he was uh, before he broke his foot.
1: Yeah, look, he's been out a long time. I mean, he's going to be thrown right back into the fire facing postseason pitching after being out for what has it been? It's gonna he, be he, almost, he was out of two months.
2: He was out of baseball and came back and was hitting home runs that's, against
1: the Rays postseason pitching. That's Who knows? Very, that's very fair. Yeah,
2: uh, I, I mean, look, I know, I know they're not going to do it, so I'm not really going to debate you on it, but. I mean, I just I I think it, it. Look, if you want to get crazy, let's get crazy. We we know we know it's going to be Oswaldo Bader and and Judge in, in the outfield, and then they're going to do Donaldson, IKF and Glaber in the infield. Like, yeah, and it,
1: and it's and it's more because the Yankees have such a premium on defense, and that's a huge reason why they got Bader in the first place. And I don't think they're going to move him out of center field because they find that defensive anchor out there so valuable. I think you're going to see an outfield of Cabrera, Bader, Judge, and then around the diamond, Donaldson, IKF, Torres, Rizzo. When personally, I 100% would leave Peraza at short over IKF. I don't trust him at all. He's better at the plate. He's better in the field. Peraza has been fantastic as a starter. When he's in the starting lineup, his numbers are great. Um. I love your third base idea to help do, give more versatility in the outfield. But again, the Yankees are put way too much of a premium on Donaldson's defense to move him away from third, even though his bat leaves so much to be desired. And Cabrera has just been fantastic. I mean, after a really cold start of the play, when he got called up, what a turnaround he's had. And he, he looks great at the plate. He needs to be in that lineup. So, yeah, there's there's going to be some frustrating... Realizations when the Yankees release their roster and and the lineup, and you're just gonna we're just gonna have to hope the parity of the playoffs works in their favor. But in terms of on the mound, 100% agree. If if I were constructing it, it would be Nestor Sevi Cole, but it's going to be Cole Nestor Sevi.
2: Yep, and I mean look in a small sample size, but Peraza's OPS was 150 points higher than IKF or Donaldson. So
1: yeah, you're going to hear all about how IKF is good in the last month of the season, which he was actually fine. You know, OPS plus what was it somewhere in like the 115 range or something. So slightly above league average, three of his four home runs this season came in the last month of the season. So um, I don't know. There, there was some hope because IKF was getting a lot of days off at the at the end of the season, and Peraza was getting a lot of looks, but it's 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 just not going to happen, unfortunately. And I wish it would, but get get but, ready for Donaldson and IKF on the left side of the infield, and get ready to hold your breath every time there's a ground ball to short because it's it's going to be an adventure.
2: Look, we've seen in the postseason whether it was you know um alfonso soriano in 2001 um i can't blank it on the guy's name from the rays that is just had the great 2000 um a rosarena a rosarena in 2000 guys come up and have big impacts sometimes rookies can 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 do that and i think the yankees have one of those two of those maybe cabrera oswaldo just seems like he's ready for for prime time he's just he's got the swag down (laughs) <laughs> um, but I mean they they're they're both look good. I, I hope they get a chance, honestly. Um, you know, and ikf's not a bad option to have off the bench either. He can play multiple positions in the infield, and um, you know, I that's one thing that's cool is the Yankees have a lot of versatility uh in terms of what they're able to roll out. I'm sure they'll go with the conservative approach rather than being risky, but you know, it I, I still think they have a lot of upside with their conservative approach too. Stanton gets hot, look out, you know. So yeah, you're
1: right. The the Yankees have bats that can catch fire and are certainly capable of doing that and carry a team to the World Series and they're capable of getting collectively shut down and having some nightmares in the field at shortstop and we'll we'll have to see what happens. It's going to be interesting. That that's the thing that worries me too. Carpenter wasn't great as a pinch
2: hitter like he without the flow of the game, so I mean I'd love to be able to find a way to put him in the lineup because it adds so much lineup diversity and it's a real threat from from you know as a left-handed hitter more than you know Aaron Hicks would present for example um who finished strong but you know I think there's um you know I I think there's a case to be made to for that bat to be in the lineup if you can make it work I think it would be very valuable um and then then the bullpen is
1: who knows who knows yeah the bullpen it's almost like what do we even talk about yet we might have to save that for monday for the ds preview because we just don't know who's going to be who's healthy yet we don't know who's going to be available we know marinaccio is not going to be in there which definitely hurts he was such a huge part of the yankee bullpen this season so that sucks but we'll see what happens but we'll we'll be, be back monday once we know the opponent and once we have a better idea of who's going to be on the roster, and and we'll talk about it all again before before the craziness starts.
2: I'm um, I'm pumped up. Uh, I I think we can just agree the the regular season belt goes to Aaron Judge. No, oh, yeah. Um, but I'll make you predict one thing really quick. The craziness starts today for a lot of other teams. Predict each series. Who do you think? Uh, really quick
1: lightning round. Who Who are your champs? I'm gonna go Seattle. Tampa, Seattle, Tampa, New York, St.
2: Louis. I had the same exact thing, except I'm taking Padres over the Mets.
1: So, all we'll right. See. We'll see. All That's the only series we disagree on. So, we'll, yeah, we'll, well. see. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy all the craziness. I'm definitely going to be locked into this uh this first ever wild card series. It's not my preferred playoff format, but it definitely is going to be fun having games all day and, and just having an intense three game series where you know your team doesn't have to have to endure it the the best feeling
2: is watching sports after your team has clinched something it's incredibly relaxing whether it's you know your football team wins in one o'clock and you're watching the four o'clock games with your feet up like hey we're we're chilling or you're watching game five of the division (laughs) series when your team's already in the alcs it's the best but yeah i'm i'm gonna enjoy it i hope these teams beat the crap out of each other and uh they get worn down for the you know for before they play the yankees but we'll see uh everybody out there enjoy it And um, we'll, we'll be back on Monday
1: once we know who we're playing to preview that series. All right. It's good to be back. We'll talk to you guys on Monday.